0: Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is
1: why we exist. To focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit.
0: Because every movie makes us feel something. Hey everyone, welcome to this edition of the Feeling Film Podcast. I'm patching with me as always is my best friend and co-host Aaron. Hello, hello, hello. How are you, sir? I, sh- I should have said all right, all right, all right you should have, but that's okay. I should have. It's a missed opportunity. Can we just pretend that, we that I said, "All right, all right, all right." You can. I'll pretend that you didn't. So we make it just nice and <laughs> satisfy your Wait, own selfish ego. <laughs> did you just ask
1: me how I was? I did. All right, all right, all right.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> ah, there we go. Dang, I got, got it in there. Well, that's I good. did it. <laughs> did you have a good week? Yeah, I had a fairly good weekend. A uh, good week. Good. Just pretty chill, thankfully for me. Calm before the work storm coming up this next week, and sure. a lot of activities. So I've yeah. spent a lot of time at home, just in front of my gaming console, and <laughs> just refreshing myself from a busy birthday weekend before that. But it right was on. it was much needed for me. Were you out and about just refing a hundred soccer games again, or
0: no? <laughs> No, no. it was, uh, coincidentally, the busiest weekend for our club was actually the weekend that I didn't get to ref much at all. I did send off a parent today. Uh, that was awkward, and it left me kind of going, wow, do I really yes, want to do this? Yes,
1: finally! <laughs> he what didn't did they leave, do?
0: He, they did not leave. They said, okay, I'll go up to the top of the hill, and then they proceeded to just continue to badmouth. And did you tell them that you know Taekwondo? that. I, did not and I should have and in my head. I, I tell you, man, in my head since then, these are the things that I do. I go through scenarios in my head and I picture myself confronting the dude again and then having him because he, he was saying stuff. I could tell he was saying stuff near the end of the game. Like, Oh yeah, that guy's not you know he's pretty he's soft. And I'm like, what? are you going to fight me? Is this what's going to happen? Cause you know, no, we don't do that here. <laughs> and it's a nine year old soccer match. So, Settle down, Beavis. Settle down. Um, Other than that, I mean, you know, it was a pretty Monday weekend. It was really kind of the official last weekend of soccer. My team finished up. Carson's team has one more match. It's a makeup game next Saturday. Um, I did, speaking of Taekwondo, I did test for my blue belt on Monday night. I will find out probably in the next week or two if I I made that. What's that? That's an ice cream. Blue belt? Yes, it is in some in some places. It is other places. It's called Blue Bell. Like I think in the oh. Pacific Northwest, oh. it's Blue Bell. Is it Blue Bell? Oh, yeah, you know, in <laughs> in the South. All right, all it's right, just, all right. I mean, <laughs> you're done. You can't do that anymore. I was going to do it at least twice, and you just ruined it for me. So. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Here's a funny little thing. My counterpart at work, he had been he's he's fairly new. He's been the job for about four months now, and he's had to do the one thing that I have not actually had to do, which is let somebody go because of uh low performance. So we've been going through this whole, like he's kind of giving me updates over the last few weeks. And finally HR and him sat down with the guy and they told him, you know, it's just not working out. And that was in the, that was like Tuesday morning of last week that afternoon. I'm heading out and he goes, Hey, can I talk to you for a second? And I said, yeah. I said, remember that thing that happened this morning? Said, yeah. When you had to let that guy go. He said, yeah. Turns out it was his birthday. And I was like, what? Oh, (laughs) oh no. I said, well, I guess happy birthday to nobody at that point. So he said, I feel really bad. And I said, I would, yeah. I mean, that's legitimately something you feel bad about. But at the same time, it's got to be done. And (laughs) in the future, if you're going to let somebody go, check when their birthday is and make sure you're not letting them go on their
1: birthday. You're just sending people off in all of your activities this week.
0: It's not me this time. It's my it's my it's my counterpart. I s-
1: didn't do that. So. Send your kid
0: somewhere too, <laughs> Carson. You know, get I out. Pick <laughs> it. Pick it. <laughs> Don't cross me. It's like I walk around the house and I red card my son all the time. Like, choo, choo, I would choo.
1: totally if I was in your shoes. <laughs> I do I would that, One hundred percent. I would be walking around with a red card in my and yellow card in my pocket at all times. Oh if He did not clean up after dinner. Yellow card. Next one, so you get a, you're, you're getting, getting grounded.
0: Question. Yeah, they're
1: <laughs> precaution. Yeah. Oh,
0: so that would be fantastic. So <laughs> well, this week, we're going back to 2005, and we are talking about the rock and roll treasure hunting film, Sahara. I call that. That's my, I'm going to coin that phrase, rock and roll treasure hunt. <laughs> so this is the point of the show when, obviously, we go spoiler-rific. So if you haven't seen this movie, I believe, Aaron, you mentioned it was streaming on Paramount Plus at the time of this recording. So, please go watch it. It's a fun one. We're excited to talk about it, obviously, because it made it to the show. And we hope that you will as well and enjoy the conversation that is to follow. So, here we go. And when we were talking about this last week, in terms of what are we going to cover, Sahara came up. And I don't know if you said this before we made the suggestion or after, but you called it the real Uncharted movie. And I wanted to get your thoughts on what you actually meant by that.
1: Yeah, well, real or best Uncharted movie, either one. It's funny because I got a comment on Facebook when I said that. I posted that I was watching it and said the same thing. And someone was like, this has nothing to do with the Uncharted movies. This is based on a book, which I know we'll talk about here in a little bit. And I was like, no, that's not what I meant. I meant it like, you know, as a like as a comparison kind of thing. Like I wasn't being literal about it. No, I know that this is not like the uncharted universe. But what I mean by that is for me Sahara more than probably any other treasure hunting movie and I watch almost all of them. I love this genre with all my heart is The Match of Tone. For Uncharted, you have a similar type of hero who is very physically capable but not physically imposing, if that makes sense. And he is about as equally physically capable as he is intelligent and knowledgeable about history and. His desires are steeped in the historical and the idea of finding the treasure, the idea of figuring out the mystery of why this ironclad could possibly have gotten or how, this, both how and why, this ironclad would have gotten all the way across the ocean, which it shouldn't have been able to do, and been shipwrecked on the coast of Africa. He wants to know... And understand what happened it's not about getting rich finding the treasure there's a great line in this movie and i wrote it down somewhere over here yeah right yeah right. i did i'm gonna find it but somebody basically says some oh to the, this is what it was he said they said we use events to find dates not dates to find events and it's kind of a another example of that idea It's that you're trying to figure out the historical reasons of what happened. And finding the treasure is almost like a a secondary benefit, right? He's not looking to just get rich and retire off of this great Confederate treasure that had gone missing. That's not his goals. And so, for me, that's very comparable to a Nathan Drake. You also have a relatable cast of characters whether it's you know Dr. Ava played by Penelope Cruz or it's Steve Zahn's best friend character there's a lot of parallels that you could draw between you could take Steve Zahn and the Admiral and kind of put them together and you would have Sully you know a lot of different parts that Sully plays for Nate in his adventures or even his brother Sam later on in his adventures. And so, I just feel like from a relationship standpoint and while Nate is adventuring, the type of banter that you get between the characters in Sahara is a lot like what you get in Uncharted. And you get this more dramatic slow-down storytelling portions where it's all about figuring out the puzzles or it's all about understanding and learning the history of what the adventure that they're on is all about, and then, boom! You're gonna get one or two or three major set pieces. I mean, the boat chase in this. I don't know why movies don't have boat chases anymore, Patrick. Like, I think there was one in a recent Bond film, if I recall, that was really good. But we don't get very many. But there's one in Temple of Doom. Not no, not in Temple of Doom. Definitely not Temple of Doom. Last Crusade. There's <laughs> Last one Crusade, in the Last yeah. Crusade. But we don't get them very often. But there's a great boat chase scene, and of course, it ends in an explosion. There's, you know, ingenuity coming up with ways to get out of the desert when you've been abandoned there in order to stay alive. There's you know, shooting a helicopter with a cannon from an old ironclad. That's very much an Uncharted type of sequence, in my opinion. So all of that is why I think that this, to me, is an unofficial and Uncharted movie.
0: Yeah, I think I would I would agree with a lot of that. One of the things that drew me to this, and I remember seeing it in the theaters and really enjoying it, I thought it was very much uh, on par with the types of movies that that I enjoy. But I think what makes this fun is the fact that it's global. Where you, it, they're not globe trotting. I don't want to call it a globe trotting treasure hunt because it's not. I mean, you're going from the United States to Africa, or not even the United States. I don't even think it takes place in the United States. It's mainly in Africa. But that set that setting is very unique in that we don't see that we see Europe and we see the United States, and you know the national treasures are obviously they stay national because it otherwise would be the international treasure so But I think what makes when you compare those things, for instance national treasure to this, I think you're exactly right that the history and the way in which history plays into this makes it feel more believable and more uh, connected as an audience. Now, I don't think I will ever be in a boat chase that ends with an explosion. I don't think I'll ever have Matthew McConaughey's abs. I mean, these are these are fantasies that will probably stay that way in my lifetime. But it's what surrounds that. It's what's really driving the story forward. There's this ship and It's really more of a history hunt as opposed to a treasure hunt because you want to solve the mystery of how it got from point A to point B, literally, metaphorically. And that plays into the other plot with regard to this illness that's sort of sweeping these African countries. So when you watch this film, you're really getting into what feels like a refreshed version. There's no gold per se, but there is this idea. And it's the journey itself that I think is what makes the Uncharted games so appealing because they take a while. I mean, yes, you could plow through them in probably four, five, six, seven, eight hours. I know I did that with Uncharted 2 because it's awesome. But I think that it's that journey and being able to go to these different places. Those set pieces that you mentioned, there weren't so many of them that they felt very overblown. There weren't too few of them that we felt like this was more like a character study. There was this really fantastic balance throughout the movie that when we were ready for a set piece, we got one. And then it wasn't, you know, I've said this before on the show in my old age, or maybe it's just becoming a crotchety old film critic. I don't like long action sequences. And as we talked about on Ambulance, you know, it's a long action set piece. And so it's like, let's turn the volume down on the action set pieces here. This didn't have that. This had quick and dirty. It had explosions, but not too many. It had hand fighting and you know one-on-one type of stuff that was kind of cool. I thought one of my favorite scenes was the was the well sequence where you know she's stuck down there and and Dirk and uh and his partner are just kind of trying to figure out how to get to her. They see what's going on and just watching all that play out One thing I thought about was in any other treasure hunting movie, I wouldn't have believed half the stuff that these two characters were doing, but I do because they're ex-Navy. These guys, the exposition was set up so well with the opening credits. You don't have to tell me that these guys are in the Navy. We see these really fun photos that I started thinking, are these photoshopped? Did they actually take some of these photos? Because there's some that show Matthew McConaughey as a young, young dude. And uh, so when I, when I see that, I go, the production mind in me goes, how'd they do that? And I kind of slowed down a little bit to say, did they Photoshop that one? Is that real? Is that a real photo? But we get so much exposition there that plays itself out in these other scenes that we're not surprised that he takes down near the beginning of the movie. He takes down those two baddies that are trying to, trying to, trying to kill her. And then later on, even Steve's on because, you know, he's ex Navy. He knows how to handle a gun (laughs) and you know, he's such an interesting actor that I wouldn't have expected that from him, but he was pretty believable. And so I think when you bring all those pieces together, it does create that Nathan Drake esque type of adventure because of the fact that this is a guy and these are people that could exist that would be able to do what they do. And the, the big thing, Aaron is that the treasure doesn't seem unfindable. Like it feels like the ship could have done what it did based on the data that these guys are are getting. So along the way, they're trying to find this thing and it feels less fantastical and more like it's grounded in some kind of historical narrative, like historical fiction. And that's kind of what got me thinking when I saw this is based on a novel. It's actually a book series. And that was incredibly surprising to me. And so I don't know if you right. know anything about, I don't I know do if you now. know anything about the, yeah. I
1: have all kinds <laughs> well, in of stuff your written reser- down now.
0: Good deal. Well, I mean, in, in your research uh, as the, as the novel uh, researcher or whatever, did, are these based on actual events? Are these, did, did this guy kind of take, okay, this existed, so I'm going to wrap a, an adventure around this, or were these all kind of taken just, this could, could have happened, but there's no historical proof that it did.
1: These are books that started back in the early 80s by an author named Clive Cussler, who I very much was familiar with the name, but had no earthly idea what kind of books he wrote. The first one was called Pacific Vortex, 1983, and it was the introduction to the author's primary protagonist, Dirk Pitt. <laughs> so, this is a guy who has been around patrick there is an initial series that goes 26 books deep of dirk pitt there are 19 books under the Files, which is the name of the organization that the admiral runs the naval navy national underwater and marine agency is what it stands for there's 16 books called the oregon files which the oregon was the name of another ship that was used in the same kind of adventurous context. And then there's another 25 books spread over two different series with differing protagonists that I don't know if those are tied together or not. So, you know, all in all, he's written 75 ish books in the adventure genre that I really had no earthly idea existed. And I'm bummed because I would have been reading these. I'm more bummed because. The first one is where I would want to start, and it's no longer available on Audible or Kindle. For some reason, it's been pulled. Like, so, a bunch of his books are, the first one's not there. In fact, when you go to both of those sites, it specifically says, I'm sorry, like, this is just no longer available. Very weird. Couldn't find it at my library, on audiobook or Kindle either to get a copy of it. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm going to actually read a real physical book, perhaps. But I'm very intrigued by this. And, yeah, I'd I'd heard that Sahara was an adaptation of a novel, but I didn't realize it was a middle of series novel. You know, I just assumed it was somebody had written like one singular book, but that's not the case. I also thought that maybe they were making up and called the Ironclad the CSS Texas as a nod to Matthew McConaughey, like as a thank you, because he's such a synonymous with Texas actor. But that's the name of the ship in the book series too from the little bit of research I did. I read the plot just to kind of you know, get a sense of how much was changed. There's a little bit of a subplot and character that's left completely out, but understandable how they had to kind of trim it down for movie length. But yeah, this Dirk Pitt character is awesome. I mean, and I would love to read this whole series with Matthew McConaughey in my head, to be honest. I think you know, with him as my depiction of the characters and with the other depictions of the characters like Steve Zahn and Rain Wilson, who, by the way, are like the same person to me in a lot of ways. They almost always play the same role in the movies they're in. And so it's so funny when they're in scenes together because I was just like, oh, my gosh, my brain is breaking. It's like it's, it's almost like my version <laughs> of like what I want out of a Dumb and Dumber movie. Because it's not mm. slapstick, but it's it's hilarious in its own way. Yeah, and you know it's uh, clumsy, clumsy comedy. Yeah. Maybe is what I would yeah. call it. Silly, yeah. but but both of them are also capable as well. So it's 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 that perfect balance, like you said, with the pacing is is outstanding, but also the balance of realism and fantastical. Because yeah, they make a land yacht out of the parts of an old plane and sail across the desert, right? There are things that happen that are unlikely, but there's nothing that ever happens that is completely unbelievable. And there's a difference there. Also, by the way, you mentioned the pit. All I could think about while that was happening, and as she was starting to go down that, I just heard the chanting in my head from when Christian Bale was climbing out of the pit in The Dark Knight Rises, so like I was like she's like reversing that whole process. I felt like she was going down into the pit, the prison.
0: I can see that, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I I I look at this movie in a way that, not knowing that it was based on a book series, it doesn't really inspire me to want to read the books because one, there's so many. I mean, this is a prolific writer. And from what I could see, from what you were saying, and I did a little quick research myself. It seems like these are just the adventures of Dirk, and so one yeah. movie is one book. Yes. and yay! <laughs> Sorry, and, and, and no. I mean, no. The the concept is cool, and I I think it's really nice because of the fact that essentially they picked a book to do. You know, there's other books that precede it. There's other books that come after it, and this one seemed like it had the most kind of intrigue. I was looking back at the box office and it only did about 68 million. I think it was like the top 35, maybe top 50. And I remember that it wasn't really up against anything at that time. Now, that year we had, I think it was one of the Star Wars movies or it was a Goblet of Fire and it wasn't competing with those by any means. But I think that there's something to be said about the fact that it accomplished what it meant to do. And I think it made the most of the resources it had available, and I'll talk about specifically the cast. You mentioned, you know, Steve Zahn and Rain Wilson. 2005 was the first year that the American version of The Office debuted, and I want to say that this was pre-Dwight Schrute. <laughs> Rain Wilson playing Dwight Schrute on the show, and so for me, who's a big fan of the show, I'm trying to picture Dwight Schrute and his kind of abruptness and his just terseness and his false. That is not what the antidote will do. And I like that we didn't get that. We got a softer Rain Wilson, but with that same kind of comedic timing, same thing with Steve Zahn. Favorite role for me is his uh, performance in That Thing You Do, just this kind of goofy, goofy guy. But I think when you attach a naval background to him, he provides a sense of strength, not one that's going to be leading man necessarily. That's you know, obviously for Matthew McConaughey. But these guys don't feel like they're just sort of there for comic relief. They really both have purpose. Love the fact that, um, you know, Ray Wilson's character, Rudy, takes that sample of the rust, and then later on it becomes sort of a catalyst for a discovery uh, that, that leads to the you know, big climax of the movie. The same thing with Steve, Steve Zahn. He's a good sidekick. He really is. I mean, he knows how to handle a gun. He's freaked out. He's like, this is not what I signed up for. Of course, I didn't sign up for taking a boat into Africa because I, you know, I love you, uh, Dirk, but I don't want to be part of every adventure that you're on. But I think that their pairing, him and Dirk, was really uh, entertaining because they feel like brothers. They feel like they're they were asked, you know, how long have you known each other? Uh, Kindergarten, junior high, college, Navy, you know, you name it. This is this is who we are and their chemistry together. I think was what helped keep me engaged in terms of the dialogue. It didn't all have to be funny. But you could tell that, that Dirk cares about uh cares about Al. Al cares about Dirk. They I mean they do have each other's back, but they're not both incredibly serious. They're not inc- they're not both incredibly funny. They really are sort of this this kind of comedy team of a of a straight man and then a funny man kind of like Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. And those kinds of combinations, when cast well and when written well, really do kind of push and keep us engaged with these characters. That boat sequence, I think, is probably one of my favorites because of everything that takes place is in such a compact time period that I forget that they're doing, what is it? Is it the Omaha? I don't remember specifically what the maneuver is that they are talking about? I think call it called the
1: Oh no, it's the Panama. It's so great. Panama. I ah. The best part yeah, is when was... the phone call's over and the admiral's like, "They did a Panama. They did a Panama." Yeah. And, and he knows. And he knows. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so all that is just so great to just see. And so by the end of the movie, I mean, you're, I mean, you're you're rooting for them from the beginning, but. Even as you're adding characters to that, like when you bring in Penelope Cruz as as Doctor Eva, this was something that really surprised me, Aaron. I thought we were getting kind of a mini contagion because I started it opens up with them checking out an illness from one of the these these native African folks, and she goes, It's an epidemic and he's like, What we've only seen six cases and she's like, How many does it need to be? Does it need to be 60, 60 you know, six thousand? And I'm like, are we, are we watching Contagion? Because this is not how a treasure hunting movie should, should work. And I thought that was kind of a clever way to tell the story, where you have these two converging stories that don't have really anything to do with one another, except for the fact that they both lead to Africa, or they take place in Africa. I also appreciated the fact that this movie came out two years after I took my first trip to... It's pronounced Niger, Niger, so one of those two. Uh, It's pronounced both ways in the movie. But I remember reading about the Tuareg, this kind of militant group of African people, and how they were very much kind of a mysterious group. Like, they kind of kept to themselves. And so watching, whether it's historically accurate, I don't know, but really kind of saying, yeah, I knew about those people, and to see them sort of in action and how they interacted with this cast of characters... I thought it was pretty fantastic, but I love more than anything, how the writers were able to connect these two stories with Al going into this cave and then seeing the ship as one of the cave paintings. And then you have Dirk because he's smart says, wait a minute, that's probably how the ship got here because the water didn't exist. But the fact is that same water that existed down here is probably underneath and that's what's carrying this poison. And that kind of stuff just makes me happy because it feels like very clever storytelling. It's not lazy like all right, X marks the spot, let's get there in whatever way possible. And I think we we mentioned that about the journey being such a, a great component. Um I I love the the cinematography. I thought seeing these different parts of Africa were were pretty great. The non Kind of stereotypical safari Africa, but like the the rivers and the the sand and the, the the parts of West Africa that you that you don't really think about. I mean, that's West Africa for you. It's very dry. It has some rivers here and there, but the fact that it's called Sahara, obviously, it's taking place in a particular part of Africa. So all that stuff just really, really played well together to to give you really a complete film. And I love being able to say that I watched this in the theater. This is a theater movie. Lots of big action, lots of big sound, big cinematography. Everything just feels like, yeah, this is one that I liked watching in the theater. And that's probably why I remember seeing it in the theater, because it was made for the big screen. And so, unfortunately, this time around, it's on my tablet or on my television. But that's why I have headphones, to kind of give me that full immersion. So, good for that. It's good stuff.
1: Yeah, I wish I would have seen this in the theater i don't remember it being out and seeing it so i probably didn't but it's one that i would you know go back for in a heartbeat if they ever were to say re-release it or something which i know that they won't but it's one that would be such a great experience on the big screen and it just i think it knows how to do drama and and that's where it's better than the uncharted movie like the uncharted movie is fun and it's silly at times and it's a Good enough adaptation that it was entertaining, but there's something that I think notches this genre up a level for me, where you got to get your hooks in there for me, and it almost becomes like a Bond movie in the final act, where you get to Mossad's solar farm and the way that they're you know on the different solar panels and they're moving around, and it, it becomes very much in line with something like one man against an army i mean literally against an army kind of concept and i liked that a lot and i like just the multiple layers of intrigue that you just talked about where it's not just about the treasure hunt they're having to deal with and this is the thing that uncharted does so well is well there's always something else going on usually in this genre in general going back to indiana jones you know it's There's somebody else that's looking for the thing they're looking for. In this case, it's not really so much as that. It's that they're trying to protect the thing that they're doing that's wrong because it's making them money. It always comes back to money. And in doing so, they need to stop these people from finding this treasure because they will also figure out this nefarious thing and it could lead to an end of that for them and therefore loss of control, loss of money etc and i just really thought that the way that the politics kind of of this and business of this mix so well in that balanced way as you used the word earlier across the story and i never got bored i never was like oh we're not really searching for the treasure right now we're learning about the political issue and how the warlord is tied to this businessman and what their relationship is and okay, now I understand. So it all worked for me in the way that it it finally gets to the big finale-type sequences, which were so much fun.
0: Yeah, for sure. Watching this this whole movie play, I kind of wanted, in my 2022 brain, I wanted more of a connection. I wasn't disappointed with the connection between the two stories by any means. Obviously, I said that. But it would have been interesting to think that the poison... Had something to do with something that was leaking from the ironclad and that it had been taken over by these nefarious folks, and so by the end of the movie, he got dirt going, Oh my gosh, the thing that I was hunting for is the cause of this other thing that's going on.
1: <laughs> I thought that it was going to be when I wasn't a hundred percent like remembering it. well, I was kind of worried that that was going to be the case, like it was going to be something like the gold that had seeped into the water you know, distributor area, distributary That's not the right word, but the water distribution system somehow in the ground had, you know, caused this toxicity and was leading to this disease. And it, it was going to be a matter of like, we got to get rid of it because it's hurting the people or we can keep it. And, but I like that it didn't go that direction too, because yeah. it's not about getting the gold. Like it never was about getting gold. And, that was always just what makes this character stand out to me
0: yeah i also like that like most adventure stories you have a hero and then a heroine or the or the lady and penelope cruz is just divine in this i mean she is incredibly attractive i mean she has this great presence she's a strong female character watching her in her interaction with, with Dirk, I think one of my favorite scenes is after they first met and he's talking about going to, she mentions her place and I think it's Santa Rosa, not Santa Rosa. I forget the the city, but before they part ways, because he's giving her a ride, he says, Hey, in his, you know, Matthew McConaughey type voice, which I can't really do. Uh, that's the more like Forrest Gump. He, he talks about, I know this place and it's, it's got a great beach. The water's crystal blue. I I know a friend who would let me stay there. And then she kind of reciprocates by saying, well, I'd like to go, but I don't know if this guy's going to go with me. And it's just this great little beginning of a flirtation. Like they kind of have this understanding and it's different than something like the mummy where you have the hero, and the the female, I guess the heroine, I guess you could call her, where they're at odds with each other, where they're like you know, bickering. Early on we get a nice companionship, but it's not him rescuing her. When he finds out about her predicament, he really does put his mission on hold. Like he's not obsessed to a point of losing his friends. Letting or her be in danger. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. But it's not so much that he is in love with her that he's going to stop at no cost to make sure that she's rescued it really feels like he's not losing momentum on finding the ship but he just prioritizes her because her life is or anybody's life that he cares about is more important than this at this moment so i think that that's something that's maybe played less in a lot of adventure stories where you have a character who just aggravates the the lady lead and it is played for laughs and eventually they kiss and make up. This doesn't do that. And I thought that's a really unique way, a refreshing way to kind of portray these two characters. Cause they're both, I mean, look, I have no problem saying that Matthew kind is a good looking dude. Penelope Cruz is, is an incredibly attractive woman. And so they look good on screen. So what do you do with them? Do you just let them look amazing? Sure. I guess, but let's let them talk. Let's let them interact. And the way in which we got both of them to from point A to point B in their relationship I think was really, really good.
1: Yeah, the one thing that I do
0: wish I had done differently
1: is really I wish it would have included the actual full plot because the interesting hook that is different from the book is that Abraham Lincoln was not assassinated he was being smuggled out of the union or, or or kidnapped or something but essentially he was taken on the ironclad out of america and he died on this ironclad in africa like when it shipwrecked or sank or whatever and so i, I feel like that's such an interesting story like that would be a great crossover with like national treasure like that (laughs) there would be called international treasure (laughs) exactly just like you said earlier but so there was there was an interesting plot point there that would have been neat to tie into this i get that it it probably was better the way it is here and the way they left it out but that was a really really interesting kind of a revisionist history type of take on things but it would have played with the lack of realism a little bit as well. Whereas sure. this, you could still believe that maybe there was an ironclad and maybe it did have Confederate gold and maybe it did make it across and sink. This could literally be out there and we just don't know it.
0: So this feels yeah, conspiracy it's, it's theory doable. turned novel more than anything else.
1: Yeah. Right. But Which no, I good. love it. I wish we'd gotten sequels. I, that was the thing with discovering the books. I was like, there's so much more material. Why didn't this become the MCU or, whatever, not the MCU, but like, why didn't it have, you know,
0: a three, four, five movie run? This could have been amazing. I can partially answer that. I was doing a little bit of uh, research earlier this week. Come to find out, uh, Kessler and the director or the guy behind the distribution company or the the production company got huge, get into a huge fight over creative control.
1: Over Abraham Lincoln, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, it was um, very much like. Custer's um, yeah. like, don't okay, cut well, my
1: Lincoln.
0: Yeah, so it's, um, yeah, I guess that's that's why. But we have what we have. We have Sahara, and we can we can live and love with that, you know, be in love with that, and all of its glory. So check it out if you are still listening. Why? Because we've just spoiled everything about it. But if you want to watch it again, or if you feel like this is something that our conversation has helped you kind of go, okay, yeah, that's worth checking out. And you can feel free to do that. And that's it for us on this episode of Feelin' Film. Been good talking with you, Aaron. Next week, we're back in the theater to do something a little strange. Medically strange. Doctor strange. Something about a multiverse of madness. I don't know. We're heading to the MCU. You mentioned it. We're getting into it. I'm not apprehensive. I'm not as jazzed about it, but I know I'm going to like it because there's not really a Marvel movie out there that I haven't enjoyed. But I'm wondering and, listener, you can help me out. What do I need a primer with that? Is that is that Spider-Man? Is it Doctor Strange? Because at this point, we're so deep into the MCU. I'm like, what do I need to, to watch to kind of feel like I'm going to be ready for this?
1: Well, the thing that you're going to need to watch that you're not going to watch, because I can tell you, is actually WandaVision. So, I've seen WandaVision. Wanda- oh, you did? Okay. I didn't. That, yeah. That's the one you watched. Okay. So yeah. WandaVision, Spider-Man, and probably the previous Doctor Strange are probably the three biggest ones. Okay. So I think you're good other than the first Doctor Strange, right?
0: No, I have not seen that one. That's, yeah, okay. that's a you know confession I make there. Um, I might go back and just kind of skim through WandaVision in terms of just kind of, or just read a synopsis.
1: It's really not plot. It's more like just understanding the tone and the idea of, okay, this is what happened to her.
0: Because ah, yeah, if you've gotcha. seen the Doctor
1: Strange trailer, there's that moment where she's like, they you know make you into a hero for this and they persecute me. And she's like, I love that way that she delivers the line. She's like, that doesn't seem fair and that's basically <laughs> like you know her she's at the point where you want to come at me control my power and it's a difference of how they're trying to use their magics to affect the world so i mean i think you got agree. it i don't think you probably need yeah. to waste any time with that okay <laughs> Well, true. i mean and i'm I just saying it. like you have a limited no, time no, I... going back to revisit sure. something is a lot of your a lot of effort for you in your limited time yeah. so
0: I'll just start with Iron Man, and we'll see if we can make it by then. So, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs>
1: I don't even know. I would have to do the math. I don't
0: think you could. I don't. I'm yeah, pretty I, I do sure not, you couldn't. I, I don't have the hours. I mean, if I was staying, I mean, up, it literally
1: I is more. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Even at 24 hours a day, I think it would probably be more than five days worth, or whatever. Probably. That's crazy. Probably.
0: <laughs> that's yeah. crazy. I'll just, I'll just stick to the Aaron cliff notes that you're recommending to me. (laughs) All right. That's going to do it for us, Aaron. Thanks for this great conversation. We'll talk soon.
1: Hey everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you.
0: We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way.
1: If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter at FeelinFilm, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places and would love to chat.
0: And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again,
1: thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive
0: and keep feeling filled.